again and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. Now, we have A Thousand and One by One history being made today. Episode 22. Ian and I will always bring you uh, a movie that we recommend for the week. Unplanned. Yeah, no, we we don't tell each other. We, we don't. We, we try to surprise each other. That's part of the fun. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the fun is we don't we don't let the other one know what it is that we're going to talk about. But I called this one. You did. I, Bef- I, yes, I nailed you did. it. Um, and we both kind of picked a movie, not necessarily similar in theme, but but similar in in tone and some of the bigger questions uh, that was close to the our, our main movie that we're going to talk about today. But our recommendation for this week is... First Reformed. Yes. First Reformed, the, the new Paul Schrader movie. Uh, he wrote and directed it, and... If you don't know who Paul Schrader is, he wrote Taxi, Taxi Driver. Driver. And if you don't know who Paul Schrader is, you should probably read more. Sure. Yeah. If you mean, for listening to us and it's a film podcast, you should definitely look into him. He's, his, he's an interesting yeah. fellow. He's had quite a time of it. Yeah. Um, and so First Reformed is Ethan Hawke. And yes, Amanda Seyfried is in it, and so is Cedric the Entertainer, which is kind of uh, interesting Yeah, that he's in this. I-, I can't pick out anybody else by name in this movie. I know I've seen, there's a couple of faces I recognize, especially the guy when they're sat down at the diner, the guy who's kind of, you know, you, you feel has the money in the church yes, and dictates yes. how things should be done. I definitely have seen him. Yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And from the trailer of this movie... The trailer gives away nothing. It, it doesn't tell you anything. Oh, in it's fact, so good. If you just if you just sort of use sort of current events and your history of the Catholic Church, you think this is going to be about one thing. I totally did. I thought this was going down the altar boy. Route. Oh, did you? I didn't get that. Vibe no, no, at all. I didn't get it from the trailer. I just because the trailer was so vague. Yeah. I just thought there's like a deep dark secret or something, and that's where it's going to go. Or maybe he discovers something. Yeah, exactly. I, I, exactly. I didn't, no, I didn't not assume. him. I, yeah, I didn't he, assume that he yeah. gets some kind of knowledge because I heard there was some kind of like a a vendetta. Yes. Right. And I. Oh, okay. So yeah, Ethan Hawke learns that there's some something going on, and he has to do that. No, that is not what this movie Even is remotely. about. And. And we'll, we'll, we'll help each other out a little bit, but this, so basically, Ethan Hawke plays priests of First Reformed Church, and the church is reaching its, is it 200th anniversary? Yeah, it's it's a big... It's a big it's deal. A, it's a big anniversary. Yes, but what's sort of driving the, the characters is Amanda Seyfried and her husband, they're activists, and they've just kind of recently moved to this town, they've started going to this church, and the guy is an activist and it's, it's global, it's global warming. It's, yeah. it's the, it's basically the welfare of the planet yeah. and, and, and how, what we're doing is destroying it. And it's got him in a very dark place. Yes, it does. So the point very... where it's worried his pregnant wife into having to reach out to the Ethan Hawke character. Yes. Um, he's having some suicidal and homicidal thoughts and, um, but does have some kind of a connection to Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Not, and not just, not just this guy, wanting Ethan Hawke's help, but this guy also starts to alter how Ethan Hawke is viewing the world. Yeah, they have a couple of, of really great debates. Yes. Uh, some of the best scenes in the movie is, is that one where they first meet and just having that back and two. I was in that. Yeah. Like, I was 
Yes, not I, breathing. I, this and actually something I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna give credit to in the movie we're about to talk about. Um, I, there was a lot of long takes. Yes, and not and not fancy directing. This was a movie where it's like I trust my actors, I trust my text. I'm gonna let them do what they need to do. Yeah, I would say part of the turn is that this this hotshot guy who's got this money. He I think he owns like a um. It's like an oil refinery. It's like some fracking kind of thing. He is one of the big people funding this anniversary celebration of the church. Right. And so now Ethan Hawke has this weird moral dilemma where he's taken a shyness, particularly to Amanda Seyfried, and he really cares about her and and this family because she's she's uber pregnant. And he's getting all kinds of pressure from the the entertainer. Yes. The larger church that is kind of a part of the mega church. Oh, yeah. The the mega church. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, it, it, it makes you, it makes you as the watcher, but also through Ethan Hawke's eyes, really start to question like, well, what do I, what do I do? You know, I'm a man of faith, but I'm, I'm also facing this internal dilemma. Yeah. I'm, I'm bound to, you know, help my community. And part of what's going on too, and I, I love this is he's keeping this journal. He's going to keep a journal every day for a year as a, as an experiment. Yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to say too much more. Well, it seems like the whole Pepto-Bismol and, and whiskey thing has become something of an iconic. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure people will at least, that, that'll get a light bulb going in some people's head if you're on social media, because I know that that was talked about a lot. Well, and it's and you think about, what I love about this movie is all the, the realistic way in which all of this stuff is mounting on Ethan Hawke. Yeah, because he's he, we get the feeling pretty early on he's not a well man. Something yes. is, his body is turning against him. Yep. Maybe he's got cancer. Maybe he's got something else. Yep. Uh, he's he's definitely an alcoholic. Yep. He's having to deal with the the big deal that is this church's anniversary, and now he's dealing with this new family and and these activists and, and new thoughts. And to spoil a little something, he lost a son. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's. And wh- I think why I what what's so interesting about this movie is the realistic way in which this all is building on him, and it leads to an ending that I find very hard to watch, but earned. Oh yeah, and and also, it's an it's an it's an open ending. You really don't know like in your mind where the story goes. But I I love the last ten minutes of that film are breathtaking. And there's a moment. The, I, I I think in any other movie I would have hated, and and I I'll be vague but specific. So if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I'm not giving anything away. It's that moment where he's kind of floating over the earth. It's, yeah. all, it's like it's the very pristine, and then it kind of floods into like that 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 gross boat, and it like yeah. you see the toxic kind of stuff. I and I think in any other movie I would have hated that, but it was handled so well in this movie. The the, the scene with him and Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, it's just. It's so uniquely powerful. Yeah. And again, as of this recording, it's on Prime. So watch it. There's no reason to not watch it. Well, as are a bunch of A24s films. Yes. This is a studio that I am head over heels in love with. Yeah. And I can't. And the next one on my watch list is A Prayer Before Dawn. Oh, I don't think I've even heard of this one. So that's the uh, Joe Cole, who's in the Peaky Blinders series. He plays a a British boxer uh, who's in a Thai prison. Oh. Yeah. it, It looks very good. Sweet. 
they just make good stuff. They do. They, I, them and Annapurna are like on yeah. really good. This they're roles. like for me. That's this is like where Focus Features was like circa two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Yep, yeah. They were on a roll. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping it stays that way because I, I, I know they've taken a couple of missteps. I've been lucky enough to avoid them. I know there was like that Green Dragon movie with Ray Liotta. I didn't see that. Oh, but, I don't, yeah. But they've hardly put a foot wrong so far. I mean, you think about stuff like Locke, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. That that I well I actually saw those in the same day. I mean that was a hell of a one seer <laughs> punch. <laughs> yeah, a great double feature. Interesting double feature. Yeah, yeah. I mean a stiff drink was needed afterwards because oh, sure. I saw I saw Locke first and then Under the Skin. I I wish I had reversed. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems uh, to happen to me a lot. <laughs> sure. Um, but so but the, this talk of first reformed really leads well into the movie that we're talking about today and uh, it's a, it's a film that you helped us pick we had a poll out there between Bergman and Fellini we were like well let's see which one we're gonna go with and uh, I think it was pretty close or was it overwhelming I, I feel like Bergman kind of took ran the away with towards, it yeah, towards the end towards the end yeah. so anyway we ran with uh, Ingmar Bergman and we decided that we were gonna tackle maybe his most iconic movie. Well, if it's not his most iconic movie, I mean, what else would you choose? That's I, I well, I I think I think there's a I think there's a Fanny and Alexander like oh, subculture, yeah. but I think in terms Persona of Persona probably would be another one. Yeah, well, we'll get there in a second. But anyway, so we decided to go with the Seventh Seal, uh, written and directed by Ingmar Bergman, which is sort of based off initially of a, a radio play that he had been working on. It was like a one act. I think the the uh, I don't know the Swedish name for it, but I think it translates to wood painting. Yes. Yep. Yes, I'm not going to pronounce. I'm not going to try to pronounce yeah. it. But originally premiered in Sweden in uh, February of 1957, and then later went on to to Cannes that year, where yes. it did very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, if you lived in the U.S., uh, you didn't get to see it until October of the following year. Yeah. But this film, I mean, if you want to go straight into awards, I mean, this film was completely ignored by the Academy. Oh yeah. Yep. I know there there are other ultimate types of awards, but you know, I try to keep it to some of the big ones so that if you're listening, you know what we're talking about. I wrote down that it won the special jury prize at Cannes and was nominated for the Palme d'Or. Right. And the, it, the special jury prize was tied with a film called Canal, which is I, I believe was about Polish resistance fighters in World War II or something like that. But, yeah. But even though it didn't have like the accolades at the time, it, it currently sits as, at 146 on the IMDb 250. It's got a 93% fresh. Yep. Uh, uh, both, both, actually. Both, yeah. Both. Critic and audience. And, uh, hey, another time for us to plug Criterion Collection. Oh, this has been in the Criterion Collection since the beginning. Yeah, it's one of the early ones. Yeah. Yeah. And their their Blu-ray remaster is just... I have not seen the Blu-ray remaster of it. It's so good. It is stunningly good. Yeah. Great features on it, too. Yeah, and that's that's, that's what I was curious about. The the Bergman Islands, the little 80-minute documentary. You'll love that. Okay. I don't really have any, any quotes... Because I didn't really find any reviews at the time. I did have something from Ebert that he wrote way, way later. Yeah. Because this made his... Did, did this make his great film yeah, list? it yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. I just like... I like that he said, Images like this have no place in modern sim- in cinema, which is committed to facile psychology and realistic behavior. In many ways, Bergman's The Seventh Seal has more in common with the silent film than with the modern films that follow it, including his own. Which I think is... is it's very true. Yeah. I mean, it, there's some stuff. I know you you said you saw Haxon months back and God, didn't like it, but... I did not we, like that you, movie. It, it, in bringing up silent films, yeah, no, that's that's interesting, the way he phrased that, because it does. It, it, there are moments... You could believe this was made during the silent era. Yeah. 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 There's just something about the tone of it that, that really speaks of the silent era to me. Yeah. Now that he said that, that's, a, that's really helped me 
phrase that. Thank you, Roger Ebert. Yeah, yeah. You, you were a smart guy, Ebert. Uh, he, but, was sorry, he was okay. Have you seen his documentary, Life Itself? No. It's really good. I, I, I've been meaning to. Okay. So I feel like we're just going to hop right into this movie. Yeah. Um, probably would help to explain the plot a little bit. Do you want to do the honors, or do you want me to, to jump in here for you? Oh, we, no, we, oh, no, we, sorry, I was I was looking down to oh. remember a name, because oh. I wasn't quite sure. I only know him as the Knight, but I know his name is Antonius Block. That's right, and uh, his name is only said twice. Yeah, 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 but basically, Max von Sydow, who, Jesus, this guy's been in films forever. Yes. Man. Well, the, inter- the thing is, is that they made him up to look like he was in the 70s, in his 70s, in The Exorcist, when he really wasn't that old when he made The Exorcist. No. And so the problem is, is that's the image of Max von Sydow that I have in my head. Which so is I'm crazy. Like, is this guy just immortal? Because I, well, I, we watched, uh, what's, the, what's the 9-11 movie? Incredibly Loud. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. We watched that maybe, I don't know, eight months ago or something. I can't remember. Uh, and and um, he has a, a small part in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a pretty good, pretty good chunk. Oh, okay. It. But, like, it's so funny you say the thing about The Exorcist because, like, God, he looks a little bit older and incredibly loud and extremely loud and incredibly close, but only a little bit. And yeah. I was like, that was, like, 40 years after The Exorcist, yeah. a little less, but, like, that's just nuts. Well, I didn't realize it. I only, you know, in listening to, to uh, I, I just on a whim, I still like to listen to commentaries here and there. Yeah. I, I was just looking to, for something to have on in the background. I put on Friedkin's commentary on the exorcist and they were talking about how they made him up and then it finally started to click i was like okay all right so now that's why he's not just defying age it's because i have that image of him in the exorcist being made up to look that old when i thought okay that's just him when it's not yeah but he's probably the only name i think that that most people would know it it, besides bb anderson who i only know as like a bergman actress yes that's i didn't know anybody else from this movie Yeah. So so basically, Antonius Block and his squire, Jans, they're returning from... The Crusades. Yeah. It's which about, sounds weird, because I feel like there's well, there wasn't like an end date to the Crusades, but... No. Yeah. There were, but the idea is this is about the 13th century. Yeah. And right off the bat, we're basically introduced to death. Now, is there... We've talked about iconic things in the last couple episodes. I think I mentioned in Strange Love. Is there more a more iconic line than "No Fighting in the War Room"? Is there in the in the last episode, ET? Is there a more iconic shot in American cinema than the bike in front of the flying in front of the moon? Yeah. Is there anything more iconic in art house cinema, in foreign cinema, than those two sat on the beach playing chess? I, it would be hard to find something. Yeah. It really is. I mean, and, and it's totally, it's broken into the, the pop culture zeitgeist. I mean, yeah. it, it, that kind of stuff pops up all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I knew about that scene years before I ever saw the film because, yeah. I mean, it's Bill and Ted's Bill book. and Ted, yeah. I think that's the best parody of it. I love the way they play. They play, what, what Twister and Battleship. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's Bill and Ted. Yeah. But that's that was some really clever... Yeah, writing yeah. there as far as that goes. I mean, well, at least an, om- an homage to a classic yeah. film. No. And, and another one that I I don't think maybe people don't draw the comparisons to all that much is Monty Python. And the guys at Monty Python obviously love this film because they're a reference to it throughout Holy Grail. Yeah, especially with the monks beating themselves about the face while yeah. they sing that chant is very indicative of the uh, the the march that happens later in the Seventh Seal, the, yes. the procession yeah. of death. Yes. Oh, God. So much death in this film. A self-flagellation going on in that. Them walking, it goes on for so long. It's like, it it is making you watch this for a really long time. 
Um, anyway, so we were talking about the plot. So they've come yeah. back from the Crusades. Yes. And they, they walk into this town. I mean, the, the whole point of the film is to show you this plague-stricken... Yes. The, the plague-stricken part of the world. Yeah. And the fact that this was running rampant, you know, killing off millions of people. And the and the, the dealing with mortality. Yes. And, yes. you know, faith versus religion. That's, uh-huh. that's the note that I kept writing. Yep. This is an example of faith versus religion. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. And so they meet, who do they meet first? They meet the guy who's going to, who's, he's found a dead body in the barn. Yes. And he's, he goes to steal the, uh, the bracelet off of her and then uh, Johns catches him. And then there's the whole back and forth with the girl that he saves. Which is really weird. Yeah, so here's the deal with, with Johns' character. <laughs> I feel like he is supposed to be the everyman. Like, we're seeing everything from his perspective. Well, he's, he's, he's supposed the, to be our link into this movie. He's the everyman, and he's not quite the voice of reason, but he's the one, he's the one basically sort of giving the very kind of, like, the, the social commentary yes. throughout the movie. But he says a lot of things where it's, it's, it's hard to relate to him. Yeah. Because, like, okay, I get this guy. He's going to be... My, now, this is my fourth or fifth time seeing this film. Oh, so is th- it? These aren't the opinions. This was my first. Oh, wow. Yeah. So these these are opinions that I have formed over several viewings. Sure. So for the first time I saw it, okay, so this guy is supposed to be my doorway into this film. Yeah, which yeah, I get. He's, he's just talked about how I could have raped you. Yes. But I tire of that kind of love. It ends up dry in the end. Oh, Jesus which Christ. Which is him basically admitting that he is a rapist. Yes. So I, now, how am I supposed to identify with this guy? Oh, but he because of his quips. Yeah, he's really witty. Oh yeah, and, but and then she comes along with him, you know, because he needs a he needs a she housekeeper. She comes along with him. Yeah, not so willingly. Yeah, but yeah, okay. But I don't yeah. really see her resisting either. I mean, she just kind of joins the the wagon train, the eventual wagon train that will happen. Yeah, yeah, and because he needs a housekeeper. Yeah. Anyway, we're also introduced to the the actors who were probably. The better doorway into this film, if you want characters to relate to, you have yes. that that little family unit of you know, um, there's the the man and the wife, and they they have a very a young child. Yes. You imagine this child probably can't be more than a year. Who apparently uh, doesn't wear pants at all. I don't know if they just didn't believe in pants for 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 little kids. But no, pants weren't invented until the 14th century for children. For so children. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, there you go. So clearly, the... pants were around. Yeah. Just not for just for not kids. for kids. Okay, because <laughs> in case you have a problem with little little boy penises in this movie, do you see that little boy's penis a lot? Yeah. So don't watch this or the original Superman if that's your problem. Oh God, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's... Anyways, so the guy, the father, yes, who who may be having visions. Yeah, and and maybe maybe well, yeah, seen he, death too. Yeah, he believes that he has seen the Virgin, and we see the Virgin Mary. Yeah, with what we have to assume is the Christ Child, and she is teaching yes. him how to walk. And so he's um, he's an actor. Yeah, it's, it's a troop of actors, and but he's so yeah. More, there's there's the two of them, their child, and then there's the like guy the man, kind of like, like the, the leading the troop. Yeah. So, but the the dad, the guy that we follow, the guy who who has who's been has his name his is, is Joff. Joff, yes. yes. He does all these stretches. He does these little roles, and he talks about juggling. His juggling in yeah, the movie is, is not great. It's with two balls or whatever he's using, and it's and he only ever has one in the air at any time. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a world class juggler, but I can juggle three things just fine, and four if I'm really concentrating. But like that guy's juggling is. Anywhere between Matt and piss poor. He's an awful <laughs> juggler. And it is not that hard to learn. 
No. And and just find somebody who can juggle. Because if this guy, if this is part of what you're going to shoot, because all he's doing, he's basically just throwing it up in the air no. and, and letting it come back down go, in his hand. Give him the benefit. He's warming up, man. Give him the benefit of the doubt. He's warming up yeah. for the eventual <laughs> juggling scene that we never see? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, great, yeah. great, great. Okay. <laughs> I can see where this episode is going already. Well, that and, and hold on. There's a, there's a line later on where they say, oh, he's an actor. We might as well just die because he's an actor. Remember... The the, yeah. the the actor who sleeps with that big guy's wife so yeah ends we're, up we're, in the we're tree. jumping we're, right, it's fine we're gonna be all over the place the head actor guy has basically run off with this woman who is the, married the, the Smith's wife yes yeah and it's been alluded to that they've had sex and for some reason later on and I still don't quite understand this the big guy the Smithy does not hurt him but he doesn't but the but the the lead actor of the troupe has to basically stay behind. He climbs a tree, and Death is cutting the tree down. This is, this is one of my favorite moments in the movie. I don't. I have a problem with the scene overall, but there's a line that says, "Oh, he's an actor." Basically, I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but basically, "Oh, you're an actor. I could kill you for that." Yeah. And as an actor, I'm going, "Well, fuck you, Death." <laughs> he's not going to take kindly to that. Because that is a Death, mm. or De- Death or Bergman, Death. Death can go fuck himself. <laughs> there it is. Sorry. Adam's going to live forever. I definitely took offense to, to that line. <laughs> Considering that it's the thing I've been spending my life like learning and doing. Like, yeah, but it's I, so good, though. He's like, what, what about my next performance? And death is still just cutting away. It's been canceled. I mean, come on. No. Okay. And sorry. That's the one thing I definitely I have to bring up. So I'll bring it up now. This movie is funnier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, totally, it's all over the place. It is, but I thought this was going to be a very serious, yeah. very dark movie. And it, it certainly has its moments. But it also has some very human moments it's in levi- it. The, the moments of levity in this movie are, are great and, and well-earned. Yeah. Yeah. Where were we in the plot? So they, oh, We were all over the place. We, we were all over the we place. We really haven't even gotten to them playing chess yet. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what happened. So the the whole point of this the the film is that Antonius Block has kind of bought himself some time. Death has come for them. Yes. On the beach, and uh, I, he says, "I hear you're a master chess player. Would you like to play? And maybe we can work out some kind of deal." Yeah. So that the the inspiration for that is actually a guy named Albertus Pictor, who is actually a character in the film. They never say his name, but he's supposed the painter that Jean's meets is actually supposed to be that guy. He's okay. very famous for those. He was a church painter. You know, he, he painted all the the icon the iconography in the churches, mm-hmm. and that was an image he was very famous for. Was death playing chess? So that's that's the whole point of the film is that Antonius Block is going to buy himself some time, and as he's buying this time, playing back and forth with death while they're on the road, there are also these people come come in and out of their lives like the actors end up joining their mm-hmm. their troupe as well as the smith and his wife yep but in the middle of that we also have a very interesting meeting with a woman who is being claimed as the cause of the plague that she had carnal relations with the devil and now she must be burned so what what's happening in this film is you're also dealing with the way that religion can can sort of sour your mind yeah yeah, so the, the whole point of the film is is what is faith and what is religion and where is the line between them. And the, the film was really written and the play was written because Bergman was, was dealing with the ideas of mortality yes. and dealing with the oppression of his religious upbringing. Yep. And so I saw, the first time I saw this was right, I grew up Mormon, as you know. I do, our, I'm our, not sure if our, our listeners, our listeners do. don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I grew up Mormon, I left when I was about 15, and I think I saw this film about 16 or 17. 
so I was right in the thick of that and still dealing with what I had grown up with and then you know struggling to deal with okay what kind of man do I want to be now that I don't have an oppressive cult hanging over me sorry to anybody who's listening who's Mormon um I don't think it's our key demographic. I don't think it is either, but it certainly won't be now. Um, so I, 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 this film just instantly resonated with me. I get that there because there is a difference between having faith and having a belief. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, and it's it was. I, I hate to bring this film up when we're talking about something so good, but Dogma, which is not so good. Oh, I love Dogma. It's not great. I love it. Sorry, keep going. I do love that. But movie. They, they they talk about it in there. The Chris Rock character talks about that. Is what is what is faith and what is belief and having an idea is a good thing having belief is not yeah right yeah so that this film very much deals with that if you're familiar at all with the conversation that that chris rock has in that film that is at the very heart of of the seventh seal yeah and what it means to you know try and straddle the line between the two of them Mm -hmm. um some of the best scenes in the film are actually or i think the best scene in the film is where antonius block gets to the church oh and confesses yes ah thank you yeah it's so good i think that is the best scene and he's talking about that and like needing god and wanting to see that just having a belief in him is not enough he wants him to reach out and to to solidify that belief and give his life meaning and purpose and it's a very it's a very powerful scene it's what's so funny to me is is watching the the features on the criterion edition there's a, a fellow who again i failed i didn't write down his name but he did the uh, the common on the disc for the original like Criterion Laserdisc in 87 and of course they ported that commentary over and he actually recorded a little afterward for the Blu-ray Yeah, uh, and he talks about going over to Sweden and interviewing a lot of the actors that Bergman worked with and of course the thing that it was news to me that I didn't know was Bergman was never well received in his home country Oh, while he was alive, he was like people didn't think very much of him. Obviously, he did very well, especially in uh, in, in places like New York and all the art house theaters. I mean, the the, the interview with Woody Allen, he yes. talks about how lines would go around the block. You know, the, the new Bergman movie that was a big deal. Yeah. Right? So <clears throat> they talk about how the, the the great thing that this one actor he was talking to said, "Well, you guys just read the subtitles," uh, implying that Bergman said a lot but didn't really have a lot to say. Which is interesting, they feel like the dialogue in its original Swedish doesn't really say much, that he just kind of roundabout gets to the point. He doesn't really get to the point, he just kind of works around it, kind of, which I didn't find indicative of this film at all. I knew no. exactly what Bergman was trying to say. I've only ever seen one other Bergman film, and that's Persona. Yeah. Totally different movie in tone and in directing style. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolutely different movie. Well, Persona is the 70s, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a good 20 years. Well, no, Persona's 60... Oh, yeah, it's 66. Oh, okay, so there's only 10 years. It's about a decade. But still, I mean, it is it is wildly different. And what I think is great about both of these movies is it it elicits... Not a feeling. It doesn't make you f- like necessarily feel something, but it sets mood really yeah. well. And that scene, when he's confessing to death, yeah. I loved, for so many reasons, I love what he was saying... Well, what I also love is he doesn't know that he's confessing to death. Well, yes, yes, thank yeah. yes, yes. I was going to say that the twist that he doesn't know. Yeah. And and because you get it, the plot forwards a little bit, right? Because he basically tells death, without knowing it's death, his plan in the chess and how yeah. he's winning. Yeah. And then death reveals himself. as like, oh, you tricked me. And it's so you do get there is something that moves the plot forward. It's not yeah. just this this monologue about faith and religion. 
However, the monologue about faith and religion is is very it's so it's earnest. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't know that I've had that exact same thought, but I know I've had thoughts similar to that. Yeah. Like I'm not a very religious person. Do I think that life ends at death? I don't I don't know. I, I my honest answer is I hope it doesn't, but I don't know that there's a there's a big giant guy up there in the clouds. I don't know what it is. And I it would be nice to have a, a sense of purpose to know what it's going to. Yeah. But you just you're gonna have faith. Everybody's gonna have faith in in whatever that is. And if your if your belief is that well, I'm that's it. When I die, that, that that's it. It's curtains and that's nothing. Then that's fine. That's your faith. But just his his conviction and, and honesty in that moment is quite lovely. Yeah. And 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 it's it's for the longest time. The camera doesn't switch back to the other side. It's it's just the camera is only on death's side of the um, partition, mm-hmm. and I I just I do I love I, that's my that's my theater background of no cuts of just having the camera roll. I yeah. just loved it. It's good. It's my favorite acting moment and my favorite shot in the movie. That, I, I completely understand that. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Although I will say, as uh, as an ignorant first time viewer, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I kind of thought this was like a my dinner with Andre type thing where it was just them playing chess for the movie. Oh, I'm really? not gonna lie. I so when like they cut away and we meet the act the troop, I was like, oh shit, there are other people in this movie. Like yeah. I really had no idea <laughs> that there was gonna be more. I thought it was just gonna be a long game of chess and them talking about whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's so this whole thing was a, a pleasant surprise. It for was, you. or maybe, or maybe not, not so pleasant. In some parts. No, I'd say pleasant. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm sure, yeah, there are moments where it's like, there were, yes, there's stuff that's hard to watch, but right. overall it was a pleasant surprise because yeah. I didn't know where this was going. So this is where we can transition to talk about, so you talked about his faith in that scene, so now where we have the flip side of that coin is people's belief. And so you see what this plague is, is doing to the mindset of the people with yeah. that procession that we mentioned earlier. And the fact that you have people flagellating themselves and other people. And, other, you, have, yes. and you have guys carrying massive wooden crosses and they stop the actor's performance yeah. to give this huge long diatribe about how these could be the end of days. Are you just going to sit here and continue to pollute the world with your laugh? I think is paraphrasing it, but he's picking yeah. on random people in the crowd mm-hmm. and, and, you know, picking on the pregnant woman or picking on the guy who's drunk or, you know, yeah. whatever else. For the long time, the plague... As I knew it growing up, like when you in history books, and you know when you get to that point in world history, the plagues, yeah, the plagues were that disease that killed a lot of people before we really knew what to do with medicine and what we knew how to how to how to how to cure people. And back when basically, the thought that God was punishing all these people with this disease was like most likely the the thing that was actually causing this. When I went to Edinburgh for the, I went to the French Festival back in 2011. Yeah, it was performing, but I also saw a lot of shows there. I saw the worst, one of the worst pieces of theater I've ever seen. It was about, it was called The Ten Plagues. And it was, it was by a playwright whose, whose stuff I had read before. And it was really interesting and dark. And I thought, oh, this could be good. It was a one-man musical by this playwright who was really kind of interesting. And, and what sold it for me to go see it was, it was the guy, is it from the Eurythmics? Is that Sweet Dreams? Yeah, yeah. So the, the lead singer of that band was the guy in the musical. I was like, well, this is going to be weird. Yeah. Let's see this. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. It was God awful. And the worst part about this experience was that at the end of this musical, it got a standing ovation. And I was like the one, I was like, I'm not standing for this piece of shit. (laughs) It was 
It was <laughs> awful. And I got what it was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. The plagues through the years. It was made it made allusions as the play went on to like to AIDS and stuff and like all of these different things that we've called the plague or, or like you know like the yeah. it was the, the the potato famine and then we eventually yeah we got to AIDS and it was just, it had this like really grand idea of what it wanted to be but he can't sing and the play was all over the place and I couldn't believe this thing got highly That's, reviewed it was awful wow. so so anyway so I hadn't really seen anything about the plague until this again so it's yeah. been just what eight eight years no yeah. and I'm glad this is now washing the taste of that thing out of out of my mouth because this is this was good so that was a total tangent oh no that was that was interesting please bring us back on track yeah, I'll get you back on track don't worry <laughs> Uh, well, that that procession scene actually leads to one of my my favorite lines in the whole film is the and this is where I struggle with that the Johns the Squire character is because again we're supposed to relate to him yet he says all these terrible things but on the flip side he says great he has yes. he has both the best dialogue in the film and also the worst dialogue in the film yeah he has a line at the end of the procession where he says all this bemoaning of death do they think it will sustain modern man it's just I I love that yeah because that's it's a timeless line. I think my favorite line, and I wrote it down, and it's it, it's a little overly sentimental, but I do like it. And it's at one point, I I think it's I think it's Block, but I don't I I'm not entirely sure who says it, but it says, "Love is most perfect in its imperfections." And I really I really like that's, that line. That's good. Yeah. I think that is the Squire. I think that's in the scene where the, he's kind of commiserating with the with the, the Smith after yeah. his wife has run off with the actor. Yeah, but. As you, as you move past this point in the film, past the procession, what I really love is the way that Death takes an interest in the rest of the people that are joining the, you know, this wandering band trying to the, the, with the knight and his squire trying to get back to his castle. And, and that's where he realizes this is the one good thing that I can do with this time that I have left. You know, while I'm playing, you know, chess with Death. Because obviously he knows he can't beat him. Yes. And so now that I've seen that he's taking an interest in them, I've got to find a way to save them. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And and offer myself up as almost bait, which leads to that great scene. My favorite shot in the film is uh, after they've, uh, they're all together, they make camp, and then there's the, the guy that they first encounter, or that John's first encounters, who is dying of the plague. Yes. Yes. And they're trying to keep him away from camp. Yep. And the the girl that he quote unquote rescued is going to run to this man, and he holds her back and tells her, "Oh, there's there's nothing you can do." And mm-hmm. he's trying to remind, "Look, there's, this is it. Like, yeah. you're only going to, you know, infect yourself if you go over to this guy. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do." And and having to watch death happen in front of you. Yeah. Um, but there's a, a scene. There's a shot with the knight, and he's got a shroud up. And he's got the, the sword kind of in the crook of his arm. And the way that he looks up at death, that look that Von Sydow gives there, like he knows this is it. Yeah. I'm going to lose this game. These will be my last, you know, I'm coming to my last moments on earth. But yeah. I still have a chance. There's a, there's a lot of subtext in yes. that look that he gives it. Yeah. It's some of the best non-verbalized acting that I've ever seen. Well, and I, I also like the way that he... Very obviously knocks over the pieces. Yeah, when he's playing, and of course, then they ride off in their wagon, and yeah. Death is distracted because he's like, "I don't remember where the pieces are." And Death yeah. goes, "Well, I do." And yeah. as he's doing that, they ride off. Yeah, and he sees there's the realization that yes, I pulled it off. Now there is something I want to bring up. I watched this little video about the chess game and the way that it is anachronistic to how you would play chess now because the moves they're making with the pieces are not the same. Yeah. yeah. And to the people who made that video, um, I don't fucking care. <laughs> um, 
And I get that there's I get that there's symbolism yeah. with he's a knight and then the castle yep. and the queen. I've got to get your queen. And I get it. And I and actually I think that's great. I love yep. the game of chess in well, right, this setting the, where there the are wife. kings and queens and 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 rooks and knights and, and yeah. I get it. I love it. And pawns. The pawns are like the it's everybody they sort of gather along the way. Yeah. I, I get it. I love it. I think that's yeah. great. I don't care how chess was played in the thirteenth century and that this is wrong. Bergman, I think Bergman said that he wanted to do a film. He wanted to set this in that time, but with the modern sensibilities, modern angst. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that is part of what makes this movie work. And so somebody, I don't know who did that video. I don't know if you want to call them out. I don't, I don't. It was, maybe, maybe I might even post it to our Facebook page oh. around this episode and just like, this is what I watched. And, it, and again, it's not that it's. It seems like they missed the point. Well, it's because I think, it, is a, it is. There are a lot of modern sensibilities throughout. There, this there is, and I, I get why they did it, but like it's really, it's got like kind of production value, and it, 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 it actually looks like they spent a lot of time on it. And I'm, I was just sitting there going, man, but but what are your thoughts about the movie? Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't really seem to have any. Yeah, which I, is disappointing. I, like yeah. I would love to have that kind of disposable time on my hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> But anyway, they they end up through their travels. Obviously, the 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 troop of actors, or at least the the husband, Joff, Mia, and their child, they get yeah. away. I think the child's name is Michael or Mikhail oh, or something like that. Little penis boy. Oh Jesus! <laughs> they get away, and of course, they end up making it to the castle where the the knight's wife has been waiting for him, despite all the uh, you know talk and, of the plague. And, well, and the time, right? It's been a while. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so because yeah, he's been crusading for, I mean, guys would go off and crusade for decades. So who knows how, how long he's been gone? You know? Yeah, and there is of course that great scene at the end where death finally comes for them all, and yeah. he can't help. He even though he's he's played this game of chess with death, he knows the end is coming. He still kind of turns to God, so he still has come through this with his faith, which yeah. is kind of the thing that I like about the movie. Yeah, one of the things I really like a lot about it, even though you have again the John's character kind of the duality of him whereas again he's had some very very smart things to say and some very not so smart things to say he still rails against the knight you know why are you blubbing and turn there's nothing that god can do to help you essentially is what he's saying yeah yeah you're still turning to him so again you have that duality of faith and belief yeah and which again that and that leads to the dance of death which again yeah. is something else that has been parodied another iconic death, yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. i didn't know until i was uh Doing some reading about it for this, that those those aren't the actors; those are those are doubles. Yes, yeah. It's because all the actors had gone home, and yep. of course they, he saw a cloud formation that he thought was interesting. He's like, "Oh, I got to put him up against that." And of course, we have the the realization that these aren't just visions that Joff is having because he sees them. Yeah, right? yeah. And she said, "I love that line at the end: that dismissal of all oh, the you and your visions." I know there's yeah. a, there's a lot about this film that I guess you could say is kind of quaint. Sure, but. It, and and tonally, I can see how some people would be put off with it. I, I mentioned earlier that tonally, this film is kind of all over the place. It, it has is. some very dark, intense. Moments. I mean, there's the scene where they they come across the witch again. Yeah, and they got I was gonna burn. Say, that's, yeah, I, I, incredible stuff. I love the uh, I, I love what he says to her, or way she she said she encourages him to look into her eyes yeah. and see the devil. And he sees, I don't see anything in your eyes but dumb terror. Yeah, that again is such a brilliant moment. The fact that you know you're coming to the realization that, you know, your faith has abandoned you now as you're about to die. And so you see nothing, right? There's a, there's another great line where they're talking as they're watching her get strung up. 
she sees emptiness in moonlight. Her terror is ours. Yeah. Great stuff about yeah. the, about having to face the void and what it and this plays into Bergman's how he felt about mortality at the time and having to stare into the void and does something stare back. Yeah. I'm trying to get fairly philosophical with this episode. I don't know if I'm pulling it off no, or not. No, no, you are. I mean, I think between this and, and, and First Reformed, just talking about both of these movies. I mean, because I could make this a whole lot more personal, and I'm not going to. Sure, sure. And I, I think this movie does a good job of, of getting you to purposefully ask these questions. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think if it was just beating you over the head with it, nobody would want to. I think that's why, you know, you have death as a character. You know, that's why you have the character of John's in the first place to yeah. help sort of see both sides of this. Yeah. And how much do you love, speaking of death as a character, how much do you love when he finally wins the chess game and the knight asks him to reveal his secrets and he says, I know nothing. I love that. I love the, the bleak kind of emptiness of that. He's just death. He's yeah. just here to take you. Yeah. Death, and, and, death has no, death has no belief. Death has no faith. Yeah. He's, de- he's just death. Yeah. He's yeah. here to end your life. Yeah. That you can, I, I love that so much. I, I like you know you can you can only cheat death for so long. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is which is a great way of putting because that's that's what the film is. You know, he's yeah. he's trying to cheat him or trying to extend. Oh yeah, he had it. Yeah, he knew how he could extend the game. You know, when yeah. he's confessing his his moves yeah. to death. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a way, we I these these movies aren't the same, but you know, this, this made me thought think a lot about Rashomon. Right, they're both black and white. They're both art house films. films. Yeah, yeah, but they're both. Not very long. No. You know, it's, this is under two hours. Oh, I didn't. I don't feel a beat of Seven Seal, even on the fifth or sixth time. And it's just, it. you know, I feel like it, the fact that this is a movie that's, it's a, you know, it's a foreign film. It's black and white. It's old. It's about religion. Mm. You know, you could see how this would turn people off. And sure, it's not a, a rewatchable movie. It's not like, oh, I'm going to pop on Seventh Seal. Yeah. But... When I think of, and I, I'm kind of heading towards my answer, just so you know, but like when I think about this book, and I I keep going back to the title of the book, A Thousand One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should see this before you die. Because this film is going to challenge you. Yeah, it, it's, exactly. It's one of, it's one of the, the first ones I think that we've done, which is, I mean, we, we did Requiem for a Dream, which is challenging in a different way. Yeah. But this is challenging in a sort of morality-based way or in a way that makes you think about things existentially yeah yeah in, in a way requiem in, in, in an odd way it's kind of a call to action like it, that, yeah. it's gonna make you it's gonna physically like nope yeah cool yep needles nope not good not gonna worry about that yeah but this one has deeper questions absolutely no yeah. which, which is great and i think you know again talking about like you know movies versus film or cinema like this this is cinema this is this is this is existential this is gonna make you think yeah. this is gonna really well, good good comparison to to Rashomon. I mean, they do ask a lot of the same yeah. morality kind of questions. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a lot of a lot of questions that I don't feel are being asked enough in cinema now. Yeah, that's fair. Well, and, until you get to a movie like First Reformed. Yeah, right. And it's it's unfortunate that that, that not getting a lot of play because it it's a really interesting movie. Yeah, and the fact that it, it mixes religion in with with global warming and science and and it mm-hmm. it, it just blends a lot of stuff. And I, I don't feel like it forces it either. It just sort of it, it's it is what it's about. I, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Schrader was a big fan of Bergman, and sure. I, I'm sure Ber- if Bergman was still alive today, that he would probably see some value, a lot of value in a film like First Reform. Yeah, I would I would agree. Are there any other? We've talked about some favorite lines. 
Um, there's another line. I love the way that it opens with the, the Bible passage, the lamb opened the seventh seal, and in heaven there was uh, a silence about half an hour. I love that. That's, and and, and what, what part of the Bible does that come from? Revelations. Yeah, but who, who's, do you know who? Um, I don't. Uh, biblical quotation from the revelation of St. John the Divine. Boom. Last name. Take that. You were you were waiting for that, weren't you? I really was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You you proud of yourself? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Um, we uh, not on every episode, but on some episodes, we do the unsung hero. Do you have an unsung hero in this film? I I don't I don't know. I feel like most of the actors that I would that I I really like are they're in the movie enough. Yeah. They're all sung fairly well. I feel like actually, and I don't I, I'm I'm I did don't have the name, but I I really I do like the cinematography. Yeah. I love the um, the little passage of time, the montage at the beginning over the cliffs and over the, the rocks yeah. and everything. That's all shot really well. And I do – and that's the thing too is, you know, I think Bergman's going to get a lot of credit for, you know, the shot of death and the, the dance of death at the end of the movie. But they're shot really well too. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to give some credit out there to the cinematographer of this movie. I like that. That's yeah. a good answer. What about you? For me, it's the, uh, it's, it's the, um, the girl that Johns saves. She doesn't that's have a good any, one. She, she doesn't have any dialogue until the end. Everything she does has to be reactionary. That's a that's a good answer. And the best the best acting is is reaction, right? Yeah. So and she has the one line at the end that it is finished. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is kind of trying to parallel the what, what if Christ was alive? I don't I don't know. Yeah, supposedly up there he said it is accomplished or whatever. Those were his last words. If he was a real person, and all that stuff really happened. But I I feel like they're kind of going for that comparison. Yeah, with with a with a line like that. Yeah, I mentioned my favorite shot. I don't think we we hit yours, or did we? No, no. My favorite sh- my in, favorite in the scene shot is the confession. In the confession. Yeah. I mean, That's I right. do. I I love the very iconic moments that we talked about with death at the beginning, the chess game, and and yeah. the dance of death at the end. But I love me a long take, and not like a complicated one either. Not like yeah. Goodfellas, but like I I wish I liked too. But that scene it was a simple scene where the actors filled it with everything yeah. and I, I that that Definitely. is by far and away my favorite part of the movie now the the song that they sing while they're performing and they're the uh and while off you know behind the tent there's the actor who yeah. runs off with the smith's wife yeah i i always thought that that was that it was kind of a distraction like i that's part of the movie i never really enjoyed until this viewing yeah where i started to really like dig into the the and maybe i'm probably reading into it but the way they're singing about those those animals and the animals are not making the right animal sounds. I love the idea that maybe that's a commentary on the madness of the day. The fact that this plague has seeped into people's minds so much. I don't know. It's something that I would Here's what I'll there. say. I, I really actually like that as an answer. Oh, I do. I never, I did not. I mean, obviously my first time watching it, so I just thought it was a very awkward play that they were performing yeah. for these people well i know I, and that's the, the the subtext the layer upon layer of subtext in this film this is a film that i think would advocate not only should you see it before you die but i would recommend multiple views yeah this, so there's this, a lot to unpack in the, this thing the movie this most reminded me of that we've done so far was it's it's actually a stalker it's the yeah. movie that i'm like i i have opinions but i, I need to i need to let time sit and, yeah. and i need to watch it again and and honestly, it makes me want to watch more Bergman. Yes. Like like Stalker made me want to watch more Tarkovsky. I know I've only seen two two Bergman films. Um, I really liked this. Yeah. I love Persona. That movie just is insane, and I love it. And I can't wait to get to that movie. 
Um, the Wild Strawberries is another one that's been on my list for a long time. The one he did the same year as, yeah. as Seven Seal. The, uh, uh, you know, during the movie, the wife says that she picked some wild strawberries. That, that is correct. Whatever that's worth. I just think that's kind of fun. I, yeah. like, I like that. A kind nice of stuff. little connective tissue. It's like, it's like when John Carpenter had the kids watching the original The Thing in Halloween, yeah. only to turn around and make the thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's, well, it's a yes from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a yes yeah it's definitely a yes for me okay yeah and again I, I I whenever a movie is this short I will stress this because it's an hour and a half a little, it's like ninety six minutes I think is what I wrote down so yeah. watch it yeah if you don't like it if you don't like the way it makes you question things congratulations that's what you're supposed to be feeling you're supposed to be questioning things yeah. so <laughs> you're gonna that's exactly the point of the it's, movie it's it's good it's good you know it's good brain food yeah yeah and it, and a movie this iconic. And and filled with with great text and images, it, it, it survived this long for a reason. So, give it a shot. And and Criterion, they don't they they don't really put out schlock. And and even if you don't like the movies they 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 put out, they do a really good job of putting them out. So, um, Criterion, please fund us. Um, but either, anyway, I, it's a yes for me for sure. Excellent. Um, but you know, I'm, I didn't know it was your first time seeing it. I'm, oh, very, I'm totally. excited by that. Yeah, totally, yeah. my first time seeing this movie. But we'd like to know if it was your first time, or if it was your fifth or your tenth, um, and if you liked it or not. So please find us on Twitter or on Facebook. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Uh, you, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. Uh, we'll be working on trying to find some other platforms to release these on. But for now, we got some pretty big ones out there, so you, you can find us. And uh, we, we left Fellini out, but we just we have a poll up right now. So Fellini is is in the future for us. So we'll, we'll get to him. We got some other great stuff coming up. We got another John Ford. John Ford is going to be our first double director. I don't know if you know that. Oh, you know, I, yeah. I, I just thought about that the other day. Yeah. Um, we won't tell you which one yet. <laughs> Whatever. I, I watched the trailer for the one we're going to do, and I I can't say I'm totally excited about it. I, I don't I don't know anything about it. So, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Hopefully the trailer is not indicative of the way the rest of the film looks. Sure. Um, but enough mystery for now. Until next time, I'm Adam. And I'm Ian. And we will see you next week. 